out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow underway. The Monday edition. Another week. Has arrived. We made it. Super Bowl week is here, Chad. Good afternoon. That long, boring week in between championship games and the Super Bowl is over, and everyone. Weekend. It's done. It's dead. No more. And now we're here for Super Bowl week. I'm John, thrilled. John McClain will join us coming up uh, in about 40 minutes or so. Looking forward to uh, discussing uh, the matchup, plus all of the surrounding headlines across the NFL. Uh, and Andrew Brandt will be with us uh, later in today's show. The the business side of the Super Bowl, but also uh, sports in general. There's a lot to get to, including NCAA and, well, college football programs. Andrew's great uh, on just about every topic. He's Coaches been, hiring, uh, GM I mean, decisions, college football legal issues. He's been in the front office, and he's been on the agent side. He's awesome. It's uh, fantastic. Chad, um, there is a ripple effect to the weekend, even though we didn't see much football. I mean, Certainly uh, wasn't watching much this past weekend. I would say there's a ripple effect with the number one overall pick in the NFL draft based on some of the headlines that were out there. Uh, Starting with Cliff Kingsbury, which we'll hit on in a moment. But Caleb Williams, you know, there was a rumor circulating, uh, some maybe some chatter, some quiet chatter about whether or not Caleb Williams was to play for the Chicago Bears, who owned the number one overall pick with Washington right behind them at pick number two. And on, on Coward, on Friday, Colin Coward, um, you had Coward say Caleb Williams and his camp, they don't want to go to Chicago. And it took less than a day for Williams and his camp to reach out and, and say, but wait, no, that's not what we're saying. This is the quote from Colin Coward who said, so I got a call from Caleb Williams and their camp. And they went, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't want to be painted as anti-Chicago. We don't want to be painted as anti-Bear. And they made it clear to me that they said, listen, we don't want to go to a city that doesn't care. Chicago cares. They're big, loud, passionate. They fire coaches all the time and they care. And they did say that there's a path to succeed in Chicago. It's called the Houston Texans. The the defensive coach, you get a couple of weapons, cap space, good pick. They mentioned they've got a second pick in the first round. They do at nine overall. So a bunch of good receivers there. They could go get another weapon and have a bona fide number one pick in Caleb Williams. We say this because I think most of front offices believe that Caleb Williams is going number one overall. I'm not sure that everyone believes Chicago is going to be holding that pick. Why? Well, because Caleb Williams is going to be that pick. And we still don't know about Justin Fields, although it feels like they're going to go in the Williams slash Drake May direction. But Chad, I still believe where there's smoke, there's fire. This started prior to the start of the season where there was it floated out there. Maybe it was from his, his dad. I'm not sure who initially got it going. Williams didn't say this specifically, but that he may not want to play for the team with the number one overall pick. There's some teams he doesn't want to play for. And we've seen this in the past. Eli Manning didn't want to play for the Chargers. Okay. Chad, I still think that card's going to be played somehow. I think there's going to be more to this than where it is currently. And the assumption was it was Arizona. Because Arizona was going to be bad. And, well, everyone thought, well, maybe Caleb doesn't want to play for the Arizona Cardinals. Now it's Chicago number one. And looking around, it's Williams and Drake May and the Senior Bowl. And the responses that I had just from sending some texts out for people that were there all week, 
This is a very average quarterback class comparing each other, meaning there wasn't a quarterback that went to Mobile separated. And, and separated in a good way or a bad way. And sometimes you can just separate from the pack because the rest of the group is not as good as you are. They look worse. That didn't even happen. And because of that, I think there's going to be a, a either Chicago's taking him number one or they're going to get a haul for him because it's him and Drake May and the rest of everyone yeah, else this, this April. You know, the, the immediate assumption was when Cliff Kingsbury spurned the Raiders to go to Washington was, and I remember seeing the news, I'm uh, coaching softball over the weekend, look down to check Twitter and I see the news and I was talking with some other parents about it saying, I feel like Cliff Kingsbury's not settled yet in Vegas and boom, you get the Schefter bomb that says that he's going to Washington to be the offensive coordinator when he pulled out of that job. The immediate assumption is, okay, he's got the relationship with Caleb Williams. They're the number two pick. They're going to trade up and get Caleb Williams. But Hutton, I agree with you that I, I feel like there's another twist or turn in this story about what really is going on. How strong is the relationship with Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb Williams? I don't know. Well, from their time together at USC. Well, they uh, Caleb Williams retweeted or posted on Instagram uh, on his reel. Uh, My dog, congrats! Whenever it was announced that Kingsbury was headed to the Commanders, and I immediately thought same thing. Well, they're, you know, they're he, going to. He's an analyst him. at USC. They have the number two pick. Are they about to flip flop and guarantee that they're going to get number one, or is Chicago going to take Drake May again? All hypotheticals here, but. What I am thinking is Ben Johnson turned them down. And there's more to that story too. But is it possible that the structure is more than just the basketball guys in the the structure, the hierarchy, uh, the chain of command with the Washington Commanders and that they wanted their going Drake May or, or, or Caleb Williams and not going a certain way based on what Ben Johnson wants? Or... They are so set on Caleb Williams, they're going to go all in to try to get that top pick. I, I view it as this isn't just, I mean, it's Chicago's pick, they hold it. But this isn't just Chicago's pick. This is also, it feels like Caleb Williams' pick in a weird way. Now, yeah. now that Kingsbury is the OC in Washington, because he was, he was taking the Vegas job until he wasn't. And he, while he never signed the paperwork, I mean, Washington came in late. And then started to get those conversations going a day before he ends up bailing and and taking the the commander's job over the Raiders. I think it would have been reported if it was something where the commanders had their mind made up on something quarterback wise, and Ben Johnson hated it, and that's why he turned them down and went elsewhere. Every report has been he was asking for way too much money, and they weren't willing to pay him for whatever reason. Which, by the way, if it's what sixteen, seventeen million, or whatever the figure was, if you really like Ben Johnson. Well, they got that money. They, they could have paid him had they wanted to. Um, so I don't know that it's that. Well, there's another report that he was turned off by Washington's ownership group for being basketball guys. Yeah, and so, but, but again, th- th- that has, uh, that's a separate story that has nothing to do with he was turned off by the fact they were all in on Caleb Williams and he's not. Well, I, or he was turned again, off by the fact I'm, they wanted to do this. At, or saying, maybe he wanted you know Caleb Williams. This is just my personal hypothetical here. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying if I'm in the... Why would the offensive guru that everyone apparently wants turn down the job and then Kingsbury bolt on the Raiders for Washington? And it was all based on just Caleb Williams responding to Kingsbury on social. But I, 
I'm, I'm tying things together. And now they've got the number two pick. And Caleb Williams and, and through his family, one way or the other, has been putting, or if he hasn't been, they're not really shooting down anything other than the number one overall pick that, that we saw Coward throw out there, that he didn't want to be in Chicago. But the fact that they're jumping on uh, to defend that, that I, we would say we don't want to be in Chicago, compared to the way this was in August or September, is way different. And I still think we're going to circle back to it at some point. Because yeah, it, there's it a feels, team. It's going to be dramatic. There's a team that clearly they didn't want to go to. I feel like you yep. were right when you said it's the Cardinals. I think so. Because that was the one that was trending maybe to have the number one pick. So I do think there's probably one of the 32 teams that they had in mind that may be picking number one. They absolutely did not want to go to that organization. I don't think it's the Bears. I don't think it's the Commanders with new ownership either for Caleb Williams. I think he's going to be fine with either one of those spots. So the Ben Johnson thing is baffling to me because, yeah, we get the thing that he was turned off by the quote-unquote basketball guys with Magic Johnson and, and Bob Myers being a part of it. Okay, there can be some personality differences. There can be some philosophical differences. When you're hearing from guys from a different sport thinking, why, why are these guys even in the room? What's going on? I don't like what's happening here. I can understand some of those things, but – I don't know that it's we've got our mind made up as an organization already on exactly who we should draft as the quarterback until Cliff Kingsbury left the Raiders for the commanders. And now I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. He's gotten word that we are going to – and maybe it's Drake May or Caleb Williams. Hey, we're drafting a quarterback. Do you want to come mold a rookie quarterback and be the guy that runs this offense to do that? Or do you want to stay there with Aiden O'Connell and what, is Jimmy Garoppolo coming back or not, coming off the injury – do you want to stay there in that they situation out, I think. or come start here with yeah. a rookie quarterback if you like either one of these guys? It could be either one of those scenarios, but I believe something's up with they're going to trade up and get Caleb Williams number one overall. That That's my immediate assumption. You know, they would be trading fields to go select Williams if it's Chicago. And if it's not, then you could. We, we've seen it where you can see the number two uh, overall selection trade up to one just to – guarantee that another team's not going to jump ahead of it. The other thing that came to mind, what's up? What is it about Cliff Kingsbury? I, that's a and, great and, question. And why don't we see more teams jump into the college ranks the way that he's been able to circulate this, this way? You know, you've got Chip Kelly, who's practically begging for a job as an OC, right? Like, it, it, as of last week. And you've, Kingsbury's got two offers. He had more offers than Mike Vrabel. Yeah, it's um, it's it's baffling to me. Also, watching the Johnny Manziel doc, Cliff Kingsbury did not come off great in that documentary. Kevin Sumlin did not come off well in that documentary. They came off as two guys that just kind of let, uh, for lack of a better phrase, the inmates run the asylum within that program and didn't do a lot to help Johnny Manziel during his time there. And I'm thinking. Is this, if you watch that, is this the guy you want to hire to lead your organization? Probably not. Now, bring him in as an OC, okay. Right. If he's some genius play caller, then do it. But I don't see genius play caller when I look at Cliff Kingsbury either. I'm, I'm with you, Hutton. I think it's, it's pretty crazy to think about the opportunities Kingsbury has been given and continues to get, and that he had the opportunity to let two different places battle it out for his services and accept one job and then turn it down and take another one. And he had his choice between the two. It's pretty crazy. It also, this was a Dan Quinn type move though, because they got involved with Kingsbury after Quinn's hire, but, but really, I mean, last minute where if it's, 
you know, it, he doesn't he doesn't have the reports out. I don't believe about the Vegas job. If it's if he's waiting on Quinn to land somewhere and he's taking the job immediately, they jumped on him last well, at the eleventh hour. I I, I want to see what Washington is now, and I th- that's as general as I can put it. But the perception of Washington that franchise is Dan Snyder's Washington, yep. former Redskins now Commanders, and it is a bleep show at all times. I don't know that now under Josh Harris. I I just don't know what they are. It's so hard to identify what's going on there. Chicago, I feel like I can pretty easily identify the situation, right? They're, you know, they're in between stadiums right now. Same could be said about Washington, Mm -hmm. but in between stadiums, um, they need this coach to work out. They did improve some this season. The quarterback looked better as the year went on. They really need the quarterback to work out, but they don't quite know yet if he's ultimately going to work out. It's a, you're kind of an influx situation. I don't know what Washington's trying to do right now. Within the NFC East, where they are, uh, they need a quarterback. They've got a new owner. They've got a new head coach coming in. What's the plan? What what does that organization now look like? Because it's one of the bedrock organizations in the NFL. What? If they can get it right with a new owner who's going to spend yes. and cares and about it and is, and is competent, unlike the previous owner, that could be a great situation for someone. Washington has the money in free agency and the salary cap room. Chicago has the draft picks. You know, there's a big difference. They're going young based on the the top draft picks that they have. They're similar but different. You've got Chicago who got rid of practically every coach they possibly could except for their head coach in Eberflus. They bring him back. They hire Shane Waldron to be their offensive coordinator after, you know, kicking Getzey to the curb. Uh, and maybe rightfully so, but gets these buddies with uh, uh, Justin Fields even off the field, and they're going to trade either trade him and get another haul, or they keep him and they're still. It just feels like they're in between coaches. You know, they didn't dive in this off season. It feels like that's coming though, as they get their structure the way they want it, and uh, maybe some stability at certain positions, even maybe in the front office. Washington, meanwhile, they have pieces. But they don't have the, they don't have the, the stability, uh, the the en- enough talent um, up front, Chad, to say you know what they're turning things around immediately, and they don't have the quarterback. But yeah, they, I, and this, and they're in a situation now where I I don't believe that no brainer quarterback exists in this draft. Well, can I type? I like Drake May better than Caleb Williams. But I'm not going to sit here and go out on a limb and say any of these guys are surefire, no doubt. You take them, they're going to be a difference maker for your team. Let me tie one more connection in between Arizona and Washington now. The former head coach in Arizona is Cliff Kingsbury. And all of a sudden, where did we see the the rumors start to circulate? It was right after, uh, a couple months after they hired Jonathan Gannon, who replaced said coach. And now the former coach in Arizona is now the offensive coordinator in Washington. Maybe it's too good to be true for uh, Washington to plan all this. And, and it's a pipe dream. Maybe they're simply you know, they're going to stick with how they're not going to do that. Maybe they want Drake May when it's all said and done. Chad, I know you're higher on May uh, than I'm Williams. higher on Drake May. And but, I, but I'm not going to sit here and do backflips over any of these guys. I'm, no, not, but, I'm not thrilled about the prospect of any of them, quite frankly. I, I like May better than Caleb Williams. 
But that's not to say I think, you know, May is Trevor Lawrence when he was coming out of the draft, which hasn't quite yet worked out the way we thought, but not bad. Good, not great. But it's not that there's not that type of prospect in in my mind coming out in this year's draft at quarterback. Commanders finished 23rd in offensive points per game. 19 points per game is what they they average. Chad, more points uh, in the Pro Bowl yesterday, although. Oh, were there? I didn't watch, but I I saw like three highlights. I haven't seen a thing. I I have not watched a second of the Pro Bowl. I was at a restaurant celebrating my Aunt Mitzi's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Aunt Mitzi. We love you. Everybody here at Hot Mike loves you. And I, the, the, the game was even on at the bar. At the restaurant I was at, I didn't even glance over and look at it. I feel like my life is is all the better for it. Um, this is a sham. It's a sham, and I'm amazed that this many people buy into it every year. Because every year, we make fun of it. And every year, it pulls a really good number on a Sunday afternoon when not much else is going on as people get ready for the Super Bowl. I, I don't know what the format was. I, I don't know if it was tackle, if it was flag, if it was two-hand touch. I don't know who coached in the game. I don't know who won. I don't know if it was AFC versus NFC or offense versus defense or receivers versus linemen uh, or NBA versus NFL. I have no clue. Uh, at one point, I did accidentally uh, track oh. my gaze over to the television. Watch out. And I saw a, a women's game on at one point, a women's flag football game. I have no idea who the female athletes were that were playing. I have no idea if all of them were female based on the way sports are going right now, or some of them were male. I don't have any idea what happened in that game, and I do not feel like I lost out in the least bit. There may be national sports talk shows today recapping or discussing the format of the Pro Bowl or what they saw in the broadcast or any of that. This is not one of those. This is a show that will tell you do not waste your time watching that game. Life is short. Find something else to do on a Sunday. Get outside if the weather is conducive to doing that. Go run errands. Fix things around your house. Do anything but watch the Pro Bowl. But after I say that, Hutton, I know that millions of people probably yeah. tuned in and sure watched the Pro Bowl once again. Chad, this is the uh, yet, another, yet another branch on the NFL's money tree. Um, and they just pick, it's, pick, pluck, 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 it, pluck. $100 I laugh, bills left I laugh whenever you said you didn't know if it was tackle or flag. It, even if it was tackle, it would be flag. Yeah. Um, Two-hand touch. It's going to be flag moving forward. Not the league, but the investment. That, I believe they hired a, an executive to oversee flag football initiatives for the league. And the reason for that is... Man, what a hell of a job. Well, uh, it's, <laughs> it's going to be in the Olympics. I didn't know In that. 28. It's going to debut in Los Angeles. Oh, I, I know that, but I mean, what a great the, job if you're just... What is your gig? They, I'm an executive in the NFL at the league office. What do you do? I oversee flag football operations for the NFL. That sounds awesome. Well, they, they can own their own version of the Little League uh, Little League baseball, except no, you've got the is, flag. And also, um, you're going to have the intermediary between the Olympics and NFL players. They want NFL players... The Olympics do, United uh, to play to participate in the Olympic Games. This is a hill I'm willing to die on. Okay, I, I've discussed it on the show before, and I, I think Davey thinks I'm crazy, and most everyone else. But early most on, maybe else. not. Early on, maybe not. Maybe Tyreek Hill and a, oh, okay. a mishmash collection of NFL talent will go out there and dominate the rest of the world in flag football. 
But I warned the United States of America. I warned them before. I'll warn you again. There is a team in Hungary or in Romania or in Kenya or somewhere that their sole purpose every day when they awake is to form the best flag football operation going. And they're going to do so with the same 10 to 15 men every day for years. And they are going to perfect flag football. While America has perfected and will continue to perfect tackle football. American tackle football. Sorry, Colin. Not the other football. American tackle football is different from flag football. This is a fair warning. The U.S. will be embarrassed by someone. Maybe not in this Olympics. They're going to get beat by some country that everyone's going to say, how in the hell did the United States of America lose to X country, Finland, in flag football? And the reason is going to be that Finland put resources into it and had the same group of people only playing flag football for four straight years. It's why eventually the all-NBA team at the Olympics lost to Puerto Rico, followed by Argentina, because they had teams that played together all the time, and they were a better team. Someone in the world, a country, how, will form a better flag football team than the United States of America. Mark my words. How, how, did, they, how, how did we do at the three-on-three basketball this past Olympic Games? Do you know? That's a we good don't, question. We don't even know the format yet for the flag that won't be released until it's fine. About Let's find two the results years prior. That's, you've got me interested now. Two years prior to the games is when it's expected to uh, be released according to NBC. Yeah. Now, look, if we, it, I, I'm saying that's the warning if we decide to go NFL All-Star team with that. I think if you take a collection of guys fresh out of college, not in the NFL, or guys who just played six years in the NFL that are out, and you put them together, and you say you are going to master flag football together for the next two years – they're going to they're gonna destroy everyone in the world if you do that. But I think if you throw it together quickly and you just say, hey, Tyreek Hill's a better receiver than anyone else in the world. While that's true, in American tackle football, there's going to be a team that's going to operate and function better than that NFL all-star team. Mark my word. And people think I'm crazy well, when I bring this up. We will, we will, I don't get a lot of support when I talk this about back. this. We will play this back in the Olympic Games of 20. I will admit, what it, 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 give me two Olympics, so eight years from now, we're going to see if this is true. Give me two Olympics, but if they do the NFL All-Star team both times, they will get embarrassed by someone at some point because they're going to do nothing but play flag football. Well, by then, maybe the NFL's flag. It's they have trending. Their, they have their executive. That tracks. Trending that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is. They're even looking at the XFL uh, kickoff rules, looking at the injury list of that. And you're going to have... Um, I mean, it's going to be a totally different... It already is a different game. You're going to have a team from Uruguay come in against the United States flag football team, and they're going to have the Herb Brooks speech from Miracle before they play. And they're going to tell they have them, their version about I'm, I'm sick and tired of hearing about the Americans <laughs> and their football and their American football. And these flags. Their time is over. It's done. You it's our time pull their now. flags. It's our time now. It's our time. And Uruguay is going to beat the United States. Davey, you have the three-on-three results for the Olympic Games. I do. The debut of three-on-three. So they actually only had eight teams compete in this, but Latvia took the gold medal. There you go. Followed by the Russian Olympic Committee. I can't remember. It's just the ROC. Remember, Russia was banned from actually competing as a country, but they allowed their athletes to continue, but not under the Russian flag. And then Serbia got bronze. Like my rule, uh, the, the Russians competed. 
Yeah. yeah. And Serbia got bronze, so the Americans didn't even medal. And they, didn't, they didn't participate. Uh, the women oh, we got gold. We How did, did we not qualify? Uh, Ice Cube has a league. We didn't participate? We must have not qualified. There, there were only eight teams uh, outside of the ones that medaled. Belgium, Netherlands, Japan, Poland, and the People's Republic of China. Yeah. Certainly, then, uh, we had to have sent a team to try to qualify and couldn't. Couldn't even finish in the top eight. I don't know. That's the next that's, uh, that's research sad. mission. Shout out to American women taking home the gold it's in that three on three competition. And, and, and if uh, beating, by the way, true patriots will love this. Russia and China. Yeah. <laughs> the women's medal stand was America gold, Russia silver, and China bronze. That's great. Chad, what is the uh, the the latest from uh, uh, your network and, and sources on the? All of the chatter. I've talked to several friends in Knoxville about the the, the, the lawsuit oh, yeah. from the state of Tennessee and the Attorney General uh, in, in regards to the NCAA. And I cannot, for the life of me, wrap my head around why the NCAA chose this battle. Because hour by hour, it seems like there's a new PR just uh, middle finger to the NCAA and what they were attempting to do, which is coming nowhere close, nowhere close to accomplishing anything that would be in their favor. There's just this mounting resentment against the NCAA from all yeah. sides, not just Tennessee, not just Tennessee Vols athletic, but not just Tennessee and Virginia, the States that have filed yeah, antitrust right. lawsuits, just everyone. I, I don't, I'm not hearing any defense coming for the NCAA on this, even rivals of Tennessee or anyone else that's being investigated. There's no one coming forward and saying, Oh yeah, you need to crack down on what they're doing over there because they're all smart enough now. College sports fans, I do think they're getting smarter. They know, hey, everybody's doing this. We got guys that got paid to transfer here, got paid to come here, and they had an agreement, whether mm -hmm. it be handshake, contractual, whatever, that here's what you're going to make in NIL to come play at this school. Everyone's aware of that now, but apparently the NCAA isn't. And they're trying to do this selective enforcement of certain programs and they're trying to bag a collective, and they want to bag Spire Sports in Knoxville. They're not going to be able to do it. I think it's a very buttoned-up organization. Everyone I've talked to believes the same thing. They don't have anything. You had both Danny White and Don Plowman at Tennessee saying you haven't implicated one University of Tennessee employee in any violation of any kind. So what are we talking about here? It is an, an awful reach, an awful move by the NCAA. Hutton, it almost feels like suicide by the NCAA. Well, like they're trying to end their own organization parachute. with college football, or this is, yes. Or, hey, we're going to spark the revolution so everyone can then. But, well, but for I, someone that's afraid of lawsuits, I don't know why they would do that because here's, it sparked a lawsuit. Well, it also sparked uh, a, a. It also sparked unity between the Big Ten and the SEC. It did. And Which we didn't know would ever happen. There, there is a. There is, there, there are plenty of reasons, but it does behoove Sankey and Petiti to actually look towards the NCAA model and think, you know, what we we need to keep a, something together with this. That's the parachute: is you have the two most powerful commissioners actually getting in a room and bringing others in to hear their to hear what's going on as a, a committee to try to find some solution, not every solution, just a solution. Um, in, in regards to this. And I think the NCAA is not going to get that done. No one's going to listen to them. But with Sankey Petiti, they will. And the NCAA does have that tournament, that billion-dollar tournament that takes place in March. I, uh, I, I think from that perspective, you still want... 
I, can't you see a version of this existing? And it's still called whatever you want to call it, but it's vastly different structure-wise, but you still have the, you know, they are a nonprofit. Let's put it that way. And, well, then, and even even and that you're not paying players as employees. They have it that have that too. There's no union yet. There's not a lot of complaints about the NCAA basketball tournament, right? It's, it's right. we all unite around it for a month. It, it's awesome. And if you take the two conferences out, that diminishes it and the conferences. But I'll, I'll beg to ask this question, right? We know it because the NCAA has been a part of it. They make a ton of money off of it. They put a lot into it, right? Am I going to sit here and say that the NCAA is the only one who could govern college basketball? and the only organization or group of people that could put on a tournament to that level? No. I mean, that might get taken from them also if they keep playing this hand that doesn't exist for them. You know it's going poorly for you when attorney generals are using sarcasm and wit against your own, press, or your own <laughs> statements from your attorneys. Because Jonathan Skirmetti, the attorney general for the state of Tennessee, who we had on this program over the weekend said, uh, reading the filings from the NCAA, apparently – they know state of Tennessee NIL laws better than me, the Attorney General of Tennessee. And I'm here to tell you they don't because none of this makes sense of what they're arguing. That's bad. That's how you know your legal argument is going poorly. Well, but also, uh, I mean, I don't think the tournament is just two conferences come together, add some more teams, and you've got the same version of it. There's a there's a feel to it. There's also uh, just the, the, the drama um, the Cinderella, you can't replicate that. If you, I mean, is Vandy the Cinderella in the new in the new structure? You see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no, you, you got to have the smaller schools too. But my point is, I I, I, I think mean, it's all it. I think it's all separate. I think there is a scenario. This is like the Avengers Endgame scenario where the NCAA ceases to exist because of their own stupidity and hypocrisy, and there is a governing body for football at the highest level, and then there's a governing body for basketball that governs 330 basketball schools. I think it's now up to like 360. But you're saying they don't report to anyone else No, that, at the very top. There's going to be someone else governing all of college basketball. There's going to be someone else governing all of college right. baseball. But there's every no sport's going to have their own. Yeah, but there's no, no umbrella on top of Every everything. sport will have different rules, different qualifications to be the highest level, all of that, and they'll run themselves, and they'll run themselves within – the constraints of what the Supreme Court said is legal and illegal about name, image, likeness, and not trying to do things that but they, are I think, illegal. But I, th I think the one thing in the way of doing that is Title IX, and that's why you have the NCAA structure overseeing every... It, not over... Again, the version I'm talking about here is different than the one I said is powerless, because they are. Um, it, you enforce some... You know, stability by overseeing everything where you do offer it, it, it. If you have, you know, the 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 wall that's up with Title IX from keeping you from doing just that, Chad, where you have the haves and the have-nots uh, for, for programs that bring in the profit, those that don't, whatever. Um, and it would keep the individual universities from just branching off and calling uh, the football club instead of you know the football program. You know, if you you have so many programs at a university and you know, uh, where I went to college, we didn't have a men's soccer team, but we also, you know, didn't match uh, the football program. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, I think that's the one hurdle that you have to be able to do if you want to, uh, in this case, everyone's trying to avoid a lawsuit. I don't know many people that are itching for this in-game scenario I'm discussing. I, I, for one, am not clamoring 
for the Big Ten and the SEC to break away and have some 40-team super conference that only competes against each other. I like college football the way it is. What everyone needs is for the NCAA to just remain silent right now until either they or someone else comes up with rules. They shrink that NCAA rule book, but hard and fast rules and everything that governs the sports, and they're different for every sport. If that happens and we can get college basketball the way it is now, college football the way it is now, all those things, I'm all for it. But that's a Pollyanna view. It's not going to happen because the money eventually is going to win out. And when the NCAA is making dumb moves, like trying to investigate Tennessee, hoping they're going to turn everything over and just say, all right, yeah, give us probation again. When they do dumb things like that, and that's the expectation that no one's going to want to play with them anymore. Now, I do... um... I do understand what you're saying with the, you, we're not clamoring for the super. We, we kind of have the super conference. There are two commissioners right now who say, we're, we're going to join this. We're going to form this and everyone else can just participate. There are two if we conferences that their games matter more than everyone yeah, else. Yeah. That's on the Saturday. super conference combined. With I, the, I they just formed it really. Yeah. Um, just but more, I, I like more the idea of someone in the ACC being really good, right? Or, you know, the oh, Florida yeah. State. Oh, or, absolutely. Hey, I wish the Pac-12 was still around. We'd have someone on the West Coast that's a power, and the Big 12 could do something. I don't know how much they're going to do now that Texas and Oklahoma is no longer there, but you get my point. I, I like that idea of yeah. the different conferences, oh, regionality, too. all of that. But we're headed to something very different. It's, we're headed to something that's way more like the NFL in its structure. And at least we have some type of communication now. Even if, I mean, it's, we're a ways away from having the structure that's, that's different from anything that we're... Right now, there's a, there's a roadblock at every turn with this. You, we, there's a lot of questions. There is a lot of debate. There's not many answers being thrown out. Not many solutions. Not brainstorming. You know, no one has a really uh, great solution uh, that pops into mind whenever they're discussing what the NCAA is trying to do or what the collectors are trying to do. Yeah, there's, there has to be the middle ground. And no, it, there's no solution to get there yet. No, and, and it's, just, it's perplexing to me, though, that the NCAA, it's just such an odd card to play at this, at this point in the game. I agree. That, that's what I, throws me off so I much. Think they is have to if, have, if you really want to remain in power, you have to throw your hands up and say, guys, you want us to investigate who when it comes in? We, this is going on everywhere. Right. And the Supreme Court is saying it's legal. So I, I like what Tom Marr said about it over the weekend on Twitter. He said, this is the equivalent of saying, hey, uh, chancellors, athletic directors, coaches, you can go accept a job anywhere else, but you're not going to know what you're getting paid until you accept it, after you accept it. Then they're going to tell you what they're going to pay you. That's not the way things work. You can go to schools and you should be able to meet with a collective and find out what your value is to that school at that time. And then, you know, weigh that against other opportunities. If this is allowed and it is allowed and it's legal because the Supreme Court said so, they should right. be allowed to do that. I'm with you. John McClain's uh, coming uh, just around the corner. Chad, uh, have you manscaped for the trip to Vegas? Um, I have not yet because it's not quite yet Valentine's Day. Oh, Pardon? Okay. We're getting close to Valentine's Day. All right. We can Manscaped has a Valentine's Day little poetry for you. All right. Roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls, and your date will thank you. Valentine's Day is knocking, gentlemen, Edward and Manscaped Allen. 
is the her. remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription, the all-new performance package, 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, snack 20% off, plus free shipping with the code HOTMIKE, H-O-T-M-I-C. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOTMIKE at manscaped.com. He is the love doctor, and it's everything the doctor ordered. Manscaped.com, 20% off, plus free shipping, the code HOTMIKE. Chad, uh, spell that for me one more time. H-O-T, I don't have to look at the page. Good. H-O-T-M-I-C. I was a Geography B champion in the state of Tennessee in fifth grade. I could be a Spelling B champion, too. Again, that's spelling, H-O-T-M-I-C, code Hot Mike. It's almost Valentine's Day. Get ready. John McClain next on Hot Mike. <laughs> Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on outkick.com slash watch. Rolls on with John McClain. Covered the NFL for nearly five decades. We've got Super Bowl 58 straight ahead this week. It's Super Bowl week. John, great to see you as always. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate you getting me on Monday since you're headed to Vegas in Radio Row on Tuesday. They have a record, more than 150 stations are there. And I wonder why. <laughs> it's an easy trip, huh? It's it, you don't, not hard to, uh, to get people to want to go to Vegas. I'd like to see, yeah. John, the stats on when it goes down. You know, like everything with the NFL just goes up, up, up when it comes to ratings yeah. and attendance and all that for media. I want to see the cities where it dips dramatically when they go there. You may, you may know that. Well, you just... I just got off the phone with my, the beat writer for the Houston Chronicle. He told me his his rates at the uh, Excalibur are 59 a night. I never got a 59 a night rate going back to the late 70s. So to get people to come out there because they know they're going to gamble, they can give them cheap rates for the media. The NFL cuts that deal, but you know everybody else is not going to get them, and they're still going to blow a lot of money. And I'm guessing you guys, y'all don't make – a lot, so you'll blow a little. Yeah, we'll just treat it like uh, Mattress Mac would treat it, John. We'll, we'll, we'll just blow, go out there and win. We'll blow what we can, you know. We I got to tell you all something. <laughs> when I told Mattress Mac last, I texted him, we do a video every Tuesday. We put it out on our social media platforms talking about sports. And I told him, I said, I just got laid off at uh, Sports Radio 610. And he's like, why in the world would they do that? I can't believe they do that. Can I do anything for you? Would you like to go to the Super Bowl? <laughs> I'd probably been staying at a suite at Caesars. That's where he gets million gambles millions. So I'm sure he's taken very well care of Caesars. Uh, we yeah, uh, come with us. Come on, Mattress yeah, come Matt. On. Come on, John. Let's, let's do go. it. Uh, John, let's let's look at the matchup first and foremost. We we discussing just the 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 Mahomes that. The legacy. I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer, and and Brady had three different uh, three different stages of his career that were all Hall of Fame worthy, in, in just individually. Is Mahomes still in Phase One, or do you think he's in Phase Two? Gosh, he was a rookie in 2017. He didn't play till 2018, and he's been in four Super Bowls. And he's is it four or three? He's he's, he's going for his third in four. Okay, and he's and his one loss is third. to Brady. 
and he got beat by the Patriots. So I'm thinking he's if he's going to play as long as Brady, then this is the first stage of his career. If it's a standard career, this would be the first with a second one coming up and no third. But uh, as, as he's been fortunate to be healthy, takes great care of himself. Quarterbacks want to play till they're 40. So no telling how many championships he'll win. But right now I've seen people saying they take him over Brady. And I'm thinking, do, do you have brain damage? Nobody would take anybody over Tom Brady, the greatest in history. John, I'm really interested in, in the Brock Purdy part of this whole equation in this game. Because on one hand, if, if the 49ers win and he's great in this game, Boy, oh boy, what what a fun. And it's already been an amazing story. And he's already been great now into year two. But what that could propel them to. But if they lose, and Shanahan is 0-2 in Super Bowls, 0-1 with Jimmy Garoppolo, 0-1 with Brock Purdy, how that changes at least the outward perception of the 49ers, of what they are with those quarterbacks, and maybe what they should do in the future. What What do you think of Brock Purdy in this game and what it's going to tell us about the future of the 49ers. I think it would be the epitome of stupidity to try to write off the 49ers and Purdy. Purdy's in his second season if they lose this game, even if he's terrible and throws five interceptions. He's going to have so many more opportunities to get in the Super Bowl because they've got a great organization. It is amazing to me the way they lose coaches, they lose front office people, and they – continue to be one of the top three or four teams in the NFL. Nobody wants to win this more than Kyle Shanahan because he helped blow that lead for Atlanta as the offensive coordinator against New England, 28-3. to Then they lost one when they had a 10-point lead against Mahomes and the Chiefs when they were favored. How in the world they're favored now is beyond me because if you look at the quarterbacks, it's mismatch. If you look at the coaches, Andy Reid is a little better than Kyle Shanahan. If you look at the defenses, if you stacked up the players, you would say the 49ers because they have a great front seven, but the Chiefs' defense is playing better overall. So you got to coach the quarterback and the defensive advantage, and that's why I'm going with the Chiefs. John McClain with us. John, uh, for all the discussion about Kyle Shanahan, and rightfully so, uh, he, he's, he's great at what he does. Andy Reid, uh, we should mention him in the media and then they just pulled up at the bar, uh, like we do Mahomes over other quarterbacks in the discussion. Andy Reid, 10 playoff bursts since he's been in the 11 years he's been in Kansas City. 10 playoff bursts, eight division titles, four conference championships, two Super Bowl wins, going for number three. That is insane. And his overall record, just among active coaches, regardless of whatever you're looking at after uh, at least a year coaching, he's in the top five for the, the win percentage. And he's been he's coached like what, 500 games. It's nuts. When Andy was the head coach before Mahomes, people loved him. Really good offensive coach. But he has clock management issues. He has game management issues. It happened a lot. And, boy, he was defensive when you ask him about it. And then now he's one of the greatest coaches in history. Why? Because he got one of the greatest quarterbacks in history. It's funny how that works. Back to Brock Purdy. Uh, yep. Chad, like I got to mention this, Stephen, Steve, Peter King this morning in his Football America went and looked at the number of games that Purdy has started, not the first games that Montana, because he didn't start regularly 
till halfway through his second year. Neither Steve Young only played like four games in a certain number of years. So when they became regular starters, their stats compared to his, his blow them away. He blows them away with victories. He blows them away with yards, average yards, touchdowns, everything. And as Peter pointed out, they didn't throw the ball as much then as they do now. And he said, I'm not saying he's Montana Young. All I'm making the point is this is where he is at this stage. This is where they were at that stage. And I would imagine he'll continue to get better. But if he was a great individual talent, he never would have been the last pick. And uh, there's a great story Peter King had, Shannon talking about how he actually got drafted by them. And uh, it was really, really insightful, very entertaining. But, you know, physically, his so much is mentally and about making right decisions, throwing to the right uh, receivers, don't throw into coverage. And that's what he's so good at. And uh, Mahomes, of course, is great at everything. I'm stunned that anybody would go against Mahomes and Andy Reid and that defense when they're betting on this game. Yeah, I, I won't be picking against them. And, John, I, I made this point to start the show, but talking about Purdy, I, I don't think he's Montana or or Young. His story is Tom Brady's so far. Guy comes yeah. in because of injury, not highly thought of, low draft pick. No one had him doing anything, and he's making it happen as a distributor in a really good offense, and, and that was Brady. And think about Brady in year two and, and what the reverse history is, the altered history is, if they don't go down, have that drive against the Rams, Vinatieri doesn't kick the field goal, and he doesn't get Super Bowl number one there. And then now think about all the possibilities with, with Brock Purdy. And I'm not saying he's Tom Brady or he's going to go win seven Super Bowls, but the stories are very similar, and it is set up for Brock Purdy to get that Super Bowl in, in season number two. He's got a lot of playmakers around him on both sides of the ball. Now, you know what? Joe Montana's not Brock Purdy. Steve Young's not Brock Purdy. He's better right now than they were at the time through the same stage. Nobody knew they were going to be great. Steve Young been in USFL. He was a backup, didn't do squat. Everybody's wondering, why in the world would Bill Walsh sign this guy? He's a runner. He's left-handed. He's got Joe Montana, and Montana was a third-round pick. It took him a while to become the starter. So Purdy's ahead of him. I'm not saying either. He's going to be them eventually. But right now, he's ahead of where they were. John, Cliff Kingsbury chooses Washington over Las Vegas at the 11th hour. What do you make of this decision? And, of course, he had a year with Caleb Williams. Washington has the number two overall pick. Chicago, I mean, they can go Caleb Williams number one. They could also keep Justin Fields. What do you make of this scenario and the, the decision by Kingsbury to go with Washington with Dan Quinn? Chicago's not going to keep Justin Fields. There's no way. They'll trade him. But then does Washington try to trade up because yeah. uh, Caleb Williams is from Washington, D.C., went to high school in D.C., he was a big star in D.C. So now they get Kingsbury, who coached him for his, helped coach him for a season, and you know the Bears uh, would probably – as for way more than than he's worth. And if I'm in Washington, I'm le leaking it. Oh, we love Drake Mayer, Jane Daniels. Yes. Oh, no, we don't need Caleb Williams. Now, that's all media concoction when they're dying to get Caleb Williams to Washington. and uh, But I think based on how he's rated, that the Bears would be stupid to not take 
Caleb Williams and ride with him and then leave Drake Mayer, St. Daniels to Washington. But stupid thing was the Raiders, we're going to give him a two-year contract. You don't give us coordinators two-year contracts. He's being paid anyway, millions and millions by Arizona. That was such a dumb move by, by the Raiders. And he's so much smarter to go to for the bet, more years. Money's not an issue because he's wealthy and is going to continue to be wealthy. And uh, so I think that that's a really, really good deal for him. And I think it's a good deal for the commanders because a lot of people think they settled for Dan Quinn. Maybe he thinks Quinn will be gone in a couple of years and he'd be fast-tracked to being a head coach again. John, your reaction to, uh, speaking of Washington and just tying that in, uh, that Ben Johnson was turned off by Washington's ownership group for being basketball guys and considering them uh, too confident in their football judgment. This from ESPN. Uh, Adam Peters is the general manager, and he is a football guy. Yes. And he's who Ben Johnson would be answering to. But if Ben Johnson, if that's the truth, and he did back away, and it's not a case where they told him, thanks, but we're going a different direction, he's going to get that reputation two years in a row of backing away. What if the Lions' Jared Goff gets hurt next year? What if all of a sudden they're 8-9 and or 9-8 and eight, and they don't make the playoffs? The bloom is going to be off the Ben Johnson rose. Well, then there's always, you know, the example of Raheem Morris or Dan Quinn. <laughs> you bounce know? around as an assistant coach, get hired, get fired, bounce around some more, more power to those guys. I don't know Raheem Morris, but Dan Quinn is a great guy. Everything he, I've yes. heard about Morris is a great guy, but that doesn't make you a winner. John, uh, just uh, looking at the uh, the eight hires, that were made. Which one, just looking out, looking at it and just assessing, do you think got it right the, the most? Other than Harbaugh, because we've been over that with what they have Justin Herbert, things are set up for him. Um, which one maybe surprised you a bit on on who they landed and and how they landed him? The one that surprised me the most with Dave Canales because he'd been a coordinator for a year with Tan. He was hired by uh, uh, Atlanta. He'd been a coordinator one year with the Bucks longtime assistant under Pete Carroll at Seattle. That surprised me. And the one that I liked the most is Mike McDaniel, Baltimore's creative defensive coordinator, 36, youngest coach in the league, getting the Seattle job. Unusual for them to go defense, defense. That's what Washington did too. Ron Rivera defense, Dan Quinn defense. But McDaniel is supposed to be so creative. Did a great job his one year at Michigan under Jim Arbaugh. Then when he went back, with John and the Ravens did a great job this year. So Seattle was the best team that needed a coach. So they need, he got Geno Smith, but you still need a better quarterback to develop. And so uh, I think that was a really good hire. John, do you think Bill Belichick's one chance of getting back in the league as a head coach is if Mike McCarthy fails in Dallas and Jerry Jones hires him next year? <laughs> Jerry hired Bill Parcells. Nobody thought they'd get along, and they did. And then the thing about Belichick, both Albert Breer and Diana Rossini reported that they both called Belichick before they announced. I mean, the, both of them reported Washington called Belichick to check before they hired Dan Quinn. So if you're calling him to see if he's interested, he must not have been interested in Washington. So hopefully he'll go into 
TV for a year, I think he'd be terrific. Get back in the cycle next season. But, man, the longer you go, he's going to be – he's 71 now, be 72 next year. But uh, I, I, I'd, I'd love to see Belichick back with another organization. All right, John, are you uh, are you in on uh, Team Swifty with all the coverage of Taylor Swift? Or are you uh, – oh, Yeah, getting, I think uh, it's great for the league. I love it. I love what's going on with Travis Kelsey, all the commercials he's getting. And what people want to blame her, what's she supposed to do? Not show up at his games. She doesn't put herself on TV. And so I think it's tremendous. Anybody doesn't like it, bunch of old crumb mudgeons, usually guys, older guys. I'm an older guy, and I love it. And you're a Swifty. Would you, would you consider yourself a Swifty? Do you celebrate her entire yeah, catalog? Yeah, sure. I like Taylor Swift, of course. What did you? I, I watched the Grammys last night. I was about night. to ask. What did you think? How many awards she won? Did you watch Miley Cyrus's performance? I did. I'm not a big fan of Miley John, Cyrus. Your thoughts? I, I, I wasn't a big either. fan of that performance. Good. But I'm glad we're on the same big, page. There was a lot of those performances I wasn't a big fan of because I had no idea what they were singing, and uh, it was all visual. Well, Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs with Fast Car, which was a, a 36-year-old song. I saw they performed it. Everyone loved it. It was great. Everybody. Their duet Everybody. together. Everybody. It's the number one song in the world today. Good. After that performance, everyone went back and downloaded the original. So Tra- I saw Tracy Chapman post about it that on Apple, it's the number one I, song today. I have not. I did not watch the Grammys last night. I'm just curious from you guys because I heard different. I heard that performance uh, with with Chapman. Everyone got loud when it was hurt. Whenever it, it was time to you know, sing, and then with uh, Luke Combs, it was not that way at all. It was very awkward. Again, I heard that on a different well, it show. Well, was, it was very – the duet was well-received, but her doing the song was well-received. It, it, he didn't – he kind of stayed out of the way. Okay. When, it was her, when they were singing together, I thought he was not singing as loud <laughs> to let her okay. have the spotlight, I thought. Maybe that's The most it. emotional was 80-year-old Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Singing a song and having to have her cane because she's had health issues, but still bringing her out there was uh, very emotional. John uh, – Always love whenever you're joining the show, man. And uh, thank you for joining us early with uh, the travel coming up to uh, Las Vegas and the Super Bowl coverage. Chadillac and Jonathan, I'm going to tell you something they used to say at the start of one of my all-time favorite shows, Hill Street Blues. Michael Connor would tell all the cops before he went out, and I'll tell you guys this about the rest of the week. Let's be careful out there. <laughs> Chad's going Have to take fun. care of me. Wise words, John. I'm w- with Chadillac. I'm good to go. I'm with Chadillac. Yeah, I'll be the security for our yes. whole entourage the whole time. If we need anything, we're going to call you. Thank you, John. <laughs> Thank you. John's John the McClain. man. And McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Yeah, he's the man. We'll have to get uh, guns in studio tomorrow to recap the Grammys with us. Yeah. That's what we need to do. I didn't watch a lot of it. I've seen some clips, and I saw Miley Cyrus live, and I'm not impressed. In the least. See, when she was on uh, Stern, she was great. Great. I I almost feel like whatever she was doing at the end of it was like uh, appropriating Tina Turner. She had the Tina well, she, Turner hair, and yeah. she talked about her being an idol, and she was trying to dance like her, and I'm just, I was yeah, it's, very have, much turned off by it, the think, whole thing. Well, I mean, we, the, I was, it, turned, it turned me off of Miley Cyrus. Like, uh, like Ben Johnson was turned off with the basketball guys yeah. and the ownership group for the commanders. I, me watching Miley Cyrus was like Magic Johnson talking to Ben Johnson. <laughs> you don't want those two Johnsons to meet. No, you don't. Ben Absolutely and not. Irvin, not a good mix in the same room or even on a Zoom. I don't know if they were in the same room. Don't want those two guys to talk. 
Uh, coming up, we have Score Surf, the top headlines of the day. Plus, Andrew Brandt will join us here on Hot Mike.